This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool. Come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Can you hear that? That is the sound of a parent raiding his child's Halloween uh, treasure trove. <laughs> Smarties, my favorite. And thankfully, uh, the little guys, they don't, they don't like Smarties, right? Is that right, Zachary? You don't like the Smarties, do you? No. Disgusting. Well, disgusting, he says. Well, your loss is my gain. <laughs> uh, John Rappaport of No More Fake News is here and will climb aboard uh, in mere moments. Uh, so much to discuss with John. Uh, we'll likely get into the um, the opioid epidemic, uh, that horrible. My word! They just it's every week. It seems there's another one. The uh, the, the the most recent um, uh, massacre, the, uh, the the shooting in that church in Texas. Uh, there's the flu vaccine. A new study out from the University of Pennsylvania. John will weigh in on that. Other geopolitical events, um, and uh, oh, of course, Hollywood. The um, sex scandals flying all over the place, the depravity of Hollywood revealing itself, um, it's just piling up hour after hour. Uh, That conversation with John next. The crop circle gal, Patty Greer, will be here in the second hour. Now, Patty says she has made her last crop circle film. She's made about eight of them, I think, in the last 10 years. Very prolific. But, But now she's ready. It's time to take it to the next level. Uh, she's learned a lot over the years about crop circles, and now it's time. You know, what can we do with this information? She'll be here to tell us about that. Let me introduce the boys in the band, as always, and then I've got a couple of announcements. Our fine rockabilly friend on the Gibson Flying V guitar, a technical producer, Ian Robertson, uh, who will be heading off to Los Angeles, La La Land, uh, to record an album. Is it a full? Is it a full length, um, like an LP that the kids used to say? The, yes. All right. <laughs> Probably going to be like seventeen tracks. Seventeen tracks, and it'll be on vinyl. Yeah, hopefully. All right. None of this wild di- records, digital MP3 nonsense. It's a, it's vinyl. Yeah. Great. Good for Great you. Great wax. 
wax. Exactly. Congratulations. Uh, on the Rickenbacker bass guitar, left-handed bass, right, Albert? It'd be a left-handed okay. bass? You are left-handed, aren't you? Uh, he's also, he also dabbles on the uh, theremin. The mysterious, idiosyncratic Albert Vinzel, my story producer. And on the Hammond B3 feature producer, the quiet beetle, Ryan White. All right, first order of business, we have a new affiliate. It's been a while. It's been a while, but tonight we are happy to announce the addition of WRTLAM 1620 in Carbondale, Illinois. Do you know where Carbondale is, uh, Albert? It's in the southern part of the state, way down there in southern Illinois. And it's also the home, it's a university town, the home of the University of Southern Illinois. And you know what the Carbondale's motto is, Ryan? It's the city of trees and PhDs. See, because they got the university and it's a lot of lush greenery. So, thank you so much to everyone at WRTLAM uh, for making the conspiracy show part of your radio schedule. Incidentally, if you're down in that uh, neck of the woods in, um, I think it's Jackson County, Southern Illinois, uh, the conspiracy show airs Sunday afternoon at one o'clock. All right, now here's the other piece of news. I get, not a week goes by, I don't get mail, email, snail mail, tweets, people asking me, you know, why are you only on once a week? Uh, why are you just doing two hours? Lord knows there's enough going on out there to fill seven nights a week. I could do a four-hour show, but uh, it is what it is. This is a weekly show. I'm so fortunate to have a slot here on this blowtorch of a station, AM740 Zoomer Radio. Uh, and I'm not giving that up. This, this will continue as a terrestrial radio show. And, of course, this program is also available as a podcast. Uh, but what I've decided is because there's so much to talk about, I'm going to be offering an exclusive podcast. Same content. It's going to be three nights a week, th- three one-hour podcasts coming at you every week. And, again, same type of content. Uh, and it'll be launching, we hope, during the first week of December. And you can listen, again, you can listen to this radio program, Sunday nights, still available as a podcast, and then three additional one-hour podcasts only every week. And I will give you uh, more details on how to listen, where to subscribe very, very soon, but watch for it. I'm very excited about this podcast. Uh, And I have another podcast uh, project ready to launch as well. And I've, uh, I've talked about this a, a number of uh, times on the air. It's a project I was working on with the late R. Gary Patterson. And uh, we are very close to launching. Uh, I'm working very closely with, a, with a, a big name, someone you will recognize and uh, in the world of podcasting. He's not co-hosting, but he's, uh, he's sort of the partner in this, and I will reveal that as well very soon as we get ready to launch. The program is to be called the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. And uh, it's getting close, again, as I say, to a launch, and it's, that'll be a once-a-week podcast. So two podcasts coming at you very soon. I'll be making an official announcement. All right. John Rappaport has worked as an investigative reporter for well over 20 years. He's the author of five books, including AIDS, Inc., Scandal of the Century, The Ownership of All Life, The Secret Behind Secret Societies. He's written on medical fraud, deep politics, health issues for newspapers and magazines in the U.S. and Europe, including CBS Health Watch, Spin, Stern, L.A. Weekly. In fact, the L.A. Weekly placed John's name in nomination for a Pulitzer Prize for his interview with the president of Salvador University where a military takeover had occurred. 
He's the founder of the fabulous website, nomorefakenews.com. It's an excellent source of alternative information. He's published art- He publishes articles there very frequently. He remains a tireless investigator and a prolific writer. And, of course, you'll also want to check out uh, his amazing Matrix series. It's a series of uh, three CD-ROM sets, The Matrix Revealed, Exit from the Matrix, and Power Outside the Matrix. John Rappaport, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Very good, Richard. Good to be here, as always. Yes. How are, your new, how are things in your new digs? You've moved time zones. Yes, East Coast now. Uh, well, we have seasons again, which is a big shocker after some 35 or more years on the West Coast. But uh, I was originally brought up outside New York, so getting reacquainted with all of that is pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Now, I, I want you to—you uh, wear many hats, but I want to put you—I want you to put on your award-winning investigative health reporter hat and tell me about this recent study from the University of Pennsylvania on the flu vaccine, which, not surprisingly, has kind of flown under the radar. Really, because it's titled A Structural Explanation for the Low Effectiveness of the Seasonal Influenza H3N2 Vaccine. So that gives people a clue right there why it's not being publicized more. And uh, basically... The authors are offering an explanation for why the low effectiveness of the seasonal flu vaccine, and they talk about how the vaccine, uh, the virus is cultured in chicken eggs, and therefore it mutates. So, since it mutates, even if you believe in the mainstream theory of vaccination, uh, you're often getting a vaccine which is not uh, matched up with the flu virus of that year or possibly any year. So the, the virus in the vaccine itself mutates, and then you have the, the virus that's out there, uh, the common flu, which is mutating all the time. So the, the, the odds of those two sort of coinciding uh, yeah. are, I mean, what, what is the effectiveness? Do we have a percentage? <laughs> I don't have a percentage, but uh, it's a crapshoot, let's put it that way. (laughs) And that's not the way it's promoted, of course, to the public. Well, we've got another crapshoot vaccine this year, and we we think it might uh, possibly work. So if you're so adventurous as to try it, good luck. You know, it's sort of like walking into a casino where they say, good luck when they give you your chips. Right, right. But but as you point out in your uh, your recent article on this, oh, and we should point out University of Pennsylvania and also the Scripps Institute, they sort of co-authored this, correct? Yes. And this was yeah, it's a mainstream study. It's not something on the fringe, but it's not getting, you know, the evidence. Uh, it's, it's it's not being trumpeted by the press the way it ought to be. It ought to be the source of a, a now deep probe and investigation by the press, but of course that's not going to happen. But the folks at Scripps and, and the University of Pennsylvania who authored this, they're not, they're not saying we have to do, with the, do away with the flu vaccine. They're merely saying we need to replace the egg-based production of the vaccine, correct? Yes, <clears throat> that's right. That's what they're saying. But I have other information in the article which I've 
written about before that's even worse. This came from the online British medical journal, BMJ, uh, several years ago. And the basic uh, point there is that every year, hundreds of thousands of respiratory samples are taken from flu patients in the U.S. and tested in labs. Only a very small percentage of these samples show the presence of any flu virus. That would be something on the order of perhaps 16% a year. The rest show no sign of a flu virus. 84% of... The overwhelming majority of people that are diagnosed with the flu uh, in the U.S. don't have the flu. 84%, according to the math. exactly. So even, again, if you believe in straight-down-the-line vaccine theory, uh, you know, 84% of the people who are being vaccinated, the vaccine couldn't possibly work because they don't have the flu in the first place. Right. Well, That's another bombshell. I'll say. And, and is that consistent? Was that just a one-year sort of look, or does this is this consistently what happens? I mean, do they monitor this every year to find out how many people actually have the flu? Well, the quote, uh, the author is uh, Peter Doshi, Ph.D. Every year, hundreds of thousands of respiratory every specimens year. are tested. On average, 16% are found to be influenza positive. Wow. And again, that was published in the British Medical Journal. Mm-hmm. How could we expect the flu vaccine, even if you believe in the efficacy of the flu vaccine, to work on people, 84% of whom do not have the flu? My word. All right. We will come back. John Rappaport, much to, 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 uh, to discuss, including... Monsanto. You knew that name was going to come up during this conversation. Some more blockbuster information. Again, flying under the radar of the MSM. That's why you come here. That's why you go to No More Fake News. That's why John Rappaport is on the program. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. One of the giants toiling in this arena. Alternative news, alternative information, and that is John Rappaport, nomorefakenews.com. Before we get to your letter to uh, President Trump, uh, let's let people know how they can get a hold of your fabulous Matrix series, John. Well, they can just go to the website, nomorefakenews.com. There are several uh, graphics there. They can click on them and read all about the three collections and what's in them, and they can also sign up for the free email list and get uh, daily articles in their email box. Excellent. All right. So earlier this week, you wrote uh, uh, a missive to uh, President Trump uh, asking him to defend America's heartland. What's happening in America's heartland, John? Well, what's happening is pretty horrendous. 
Monsanto, when they rolled out their genetically engineered seeds, food seeds, back in the 1990s, claimed that the the seeds were resistant to the herbicide Roundup, which they manufactured, but the Roundup would kill all the weeds, so the farmers didn't have to get out there and pull up all the weeds. So this was, you know, fabulous miracle and so on and so forth, but it's turned out there's huge, high-resistant weeds growing like crazy throughout the U.S. where farmers are using uh, these seeds and Roundup. So Monsanto has upped the ante with a more powerful herbicide called Dicamba. Uh, Very, very toxic. And so now it's the EPA is reporting, for example in Arkansas about 900,000 acres of crops are reportedly damaged there more than any other state because this uh, herbicide dicamba drifts into all kinds of farms and starts destroying things there. So in other words, if you're a neighboring farm and you're not using Monsanto products or seeds, uh, your crops are not Roundup resistant, and so or dicamba resistant, and so when this dicamba, which is very liberally uh, sprayed, uh, drifts into you, into your into the neighboring farms, it destroys crops. Nine hundred thousand acres in Arkansas alone. Yeah, the EPA is reporting farmers in twenty-five states have submitted more than twenty-seven hundred claims to state agricultural agencies that neighbors dicamba spraying has shriveled 3.6 million acres of soybeans, also blamed for damaging other crops like cantaloupe and pumpkins. So that's millions of acres of U.S. farmland damaged and destroyed, and you're not reading about that on page one with big headlines in the mainstream press. So, uh, do I smell a class action lawsuit? I would certainly hope so. Uh, In the articles that I've read so far, I don't see evidence of it, but I wouldn't be counting on the EPA to uh, undertake a uh, deep, forceful investigation here. I mean, this is not news to them. These farmers in 25 states obviously have been reporting this and staking claims for some time now. I know you. So that was the purpose of writing a letter to Trump, right? To say, well, during the campaign, you were telling everybody who wanted to listen that you were going to guarantee that the environment was going to be clean, pure air, beautiful air, water, land. And what about it? What about Monsanto? What are you doing? Do you know about this? Are you keeping up? Are they letting you know about this? Well, I know you, you like a lot of people, held out great promise uh, when, when Trump was elected. Uh, however, you have also, you're not one of these uh, President Trump right or wrong. If he does something that you like, you praise him. And if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, you go after him, which is, I think, you know, 
fair and balanced. And on this well, case... Well, what I said, and I've repeated this in a number of articles, my two uh, points of uh, admiration for Trump were, one, he kept Hillary Clinton from occupying the White House, and two, he attacked mainstream media relentlessly, which no president, in my memory, which goes back a long way, let's say, to Harry Truman, has ever done. And uh, the reason that I titled my website No More Fake News back in 2001 was I had already been working as a reporter since 1982, and it was obvious to me that mainstream news was one of the major problems in the country, uh, and they were keeping real news from the public and lying about other news and distorting yet more news. So anytime a president would come along and start attacking mainstream news, I would obviously favor that. Beyond that, however, I, I said all bets are off. We'll have to see. So I was not encouraged by his appointments at the EPA or his attitude basically about big business being the business of America, and I, I've been pretty forthright about that. And you're worried that the, uh, the Goldman Sachs aides that he surrounded himself with uh, are, not going, are not going to allow him to do anything about Monsanto? Yes, because their business is, as I put it in my article, floating all corporate boats, period, no matter what the cost and destruction because that's what Wall Street does. And uh, my thesis here as to why he surrounded himself with Goldman Sachs people is that they could say to him, look, we can keep the stock market up for you. You've got to have a strong stock market because you're a business president. If the market crashes, then all bets are off for you because that's what you're offering America. And we can do that, but we want what we want. And I believe that he entered into a conscious deal on that basis. Well, as you point out, Bill Clinton was a Monsanto man, Obama was a Mon <clears throat> Monsanto man, and so now it's time to find out whether Trump is a Monsanto man. However, you know, those flyover states... We, really, the key to to Trump's success, uh, Iowa, um, Arkansas, I suppose you could throw in there as well. Those farmers, uh, um, I mean, he's 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 dependent on those even for the midterms. That's so why I wrote the piece as a letter to Trump because these are the people that he courted. These are the people that he promised he would do something for. That hadn't been done before and it's the heartland okay put up or shut up what's the status of Monsanto in 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 Europe uh, are those they're kind of on the run over there aren't they yeah they uh, there's a much more cynical attitude I would say widespread in Europe it's a fight it's a struggle it's a battle because ultimately the European Union, as far as I'm concerned, is, because it is a globalist institution, 
is on the side of all mega corporations, and no matter what they say or even what they do right now, they want to steer things in the direction of having more genetically engineered food over there. But the public is generally much more educated than the public here, so it's a tougher fight for them. So Monsanto is is looked upon, I would say, many more, a much higher percentage of the population over there is aware of the crimes of Monsanto than in the, the United States. John Rappaport is with us. The website, nomorefakenews.com. Uh, we haven't had a chance to, to talk um, since this horrific uh, Texas church shooting massacre, uh, really. Uh, you've uncovered some pretty interesting details regarding Devin Kelly, the, the shooter. Uh, let's talk about that for a bit. Sure. You know, I've been tracking, as other people have for a while, the sentences that are handed out to criminals who commit vicious crimes, the low-ball sentences that are just staggering. So this guy, Kelly, several years ago, while he was in the armed forces, was arrested and uh, brought to a military court because he had beaten up and kicked his wife and choked her several times at least and had pointed a loaded gun at her and he had also struck his infant stepson with sufficient force to fracture his skull oh dear and the air force prosecutors said that a kelly admitted that he did it intentionally and b that the force was enough to kill his infant stepson. So, round about 2013, he was found guilty and convicted and sentenced to one year of confinement. One year, and he was demoted in rank. So these most serious charges were basically withdrawn as part of a plea deal? Well, the charge that was withdrawn during the plea bargain was that he had pointed a loaded gun at his wife. That's it, as far as I know. So, by all rights, the man should have been in prison for a very long time, in which case he never would have shown up at the Texas church with a weapon and shot people and killed them. Because, and you also add, uh, that they forgot... The Air Force, that is. He served at Holloman Air Force Base. What, did they forget to enter this this charge into and conviction into the national database, which would have prevented him from acquiring firearms? Yeah, from legally acquiring right, firearms. Right, right. But the point is, the mainstream media focused on that point, that point alone. But to me, the larger point, because he could have, you know, people get guns legally, illegally, all the time. That, to me, is a far lesser point than he never should have been free and out and walking around to commit this heinous crime. No, I mean, if you, if you intentionally strike a child with enough force to, to, to fatally injure that child, that's attempted murder. That's, right. as you so say, he should have been... 20 years, 50 years, exactly. whatever the charge would be. 
one year in confinement, demotion in rank. You know, this boggles the mind. This is sheer insanity. And most people, when they come across situations like this, they just tune out because it doesn't... The the degree of cognitive distance is so great that they can't even comprehend what's happening here. So they think to themselves, well, you know, there must have been some other reason why he was given such a light charge. No, no, there was no other reason except that the law has been twisted and distorted to allow serious criminals to get off with incredibly light sentences. And there are other cases, many other cases of this. In fact, in the Rand Paul attack yes recently we may see something like this occur as well that's a whole other deal but well we, maybe we'll, we will get into the Rand Paul attack but I, I, I want to just I, I want to ask you another thing about Devin Kelly and and again this was um, happened while he was at Holloman Air Force Base was this a military court hearing or was he tried by jury how did this happen oh it was a military court and my understanding of military courts is that they have juries. I don't know whether there are any bench trials where the judge makes a unilateral decision. Um, but, you know, you can have a, a military jury. And however they came to this conclusion and however the prosecutors managed to drop the ball, to put it mildly, is to me inconceivable. Well, and you you uh, end this uh, article on nomorefakenews.com talking about De- Devin Kelly, and you say, I wonder how well Devin Kelly's juror mem- jury members from 20 fa- 2012 uh, are sleeping at night. They had it within their, their capability of sending him away for a very long time back in 2012, and uh, after a year, he's back on the street, and now it's all this. All right, John, stay, uh, stay where you are. We will come back. Uh, we'll get around to uh, the Rand Paul attack and um, many other things right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serry. Don't be afraid. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. Welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up in the next hour, the crop circle gal, Patty Greer, will be here. Producer of eight films on the crop circle phenomenon. Uh, but uh, she she vows she's not going to make any more films about crop circles. She's, it's time, she says, to take it to the next level. What do we do with this information? How do we use this for, for humankind? Um, I do want to get around to, uh, to Rand Paul, which was kind of a, a head-scratcher, uh, the uh, Kentucky senator who was attacked viciously by his neighbor. I think he ended up breaking six ribs. But I, we'll circle back to that. I want to get back to uh, the vaccine um, uh, story, and um, this is something else that you wrote about recently, uh, this month, in fact, about new vaccines and how they will permanently alter our DNA. Uh, let's talk about that for a bit, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is also another story that's flown under the radar 
been covered here and there in mainstream press, but certainly not enough. The main reference uh, in my piece was a New York Times article uh, from 2015 about the next generation of vaccines. The idea is, and we're now in clinical trials, human clinical trials of testing, the idea is that synthesized genes would be injected into people receiving vaccines and these genes would supposedly provoke the same kind of immune response that it is said that traditional vaccines do and therefore it's a quote you know cleaner more effective way of delivering vaccines But the kicker in the article in the Times was this would alter the person's DNA. So in other words, this is not just a temporary little visit from synthesized genes. These genes are permanently installed. And the Times went to a Nobel laureate, Dr. David Baltimore, and asked him for a comment. He said, yes, well, mm mm-hmm. But he said, I could see how people might be leery of having their DNA altered. Well, this is another one of these gigantic blockbuster stories that just kind of flits by in the mainstream and then it's put away to bed. But imagine if the next generation of vaccines indeed turns out to be these DNA vaccines, you're now talking about permanently altering the DNA of every human on earth who receives any one of these vaccines. And if they receive, let's say, 10 or 15 of these, each time we're talking about an alteration in DNA. And you'll pass that change to your children, to your to the next generation. It would certainly appear so. I mean, that's what happens when you have generations. Does this mean, John, that the idea here is, even if then if you don't have a vaccine for something, uh, let's say parents have the vaccine, one of these DNA-changing vaccines, they have children, but they decide not to vaccinate their children, it doesn't matter anymore because their children's DNA has been altered so that the cells in their body produce these antibodies. That's a very good question, and none of the articles that I've read, none of the reports answer that question. But it very likely could be the assumption of the medical, quote, experts that you would be producing, quote, permanent immunity down through the generations. I would question that very seriously You know, one of the factors is, in studying any vaccine, does it really produce the effect that researchers claim it produces? And we just finished talking about the flu vaccine, and obviously there's some incredibly serious problems with that. So I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that this is going to be a giant victory for permanent immunity from dozens of diseases. I would say... The real point is to look at the permanent alteration of DNA. That is not something that you toy around with superficially and say, oh, well, it's just 
you know, a minor factor here. Particularly if these vaccines are mandatory, and this is the push now. Uh, we're seeing it in places like, well, we, we're seeing it in jurisdictions in the United States, certainly, and here in Canada, uh, and in Europe. But if these are DNA-altering vaccines that are mandatory, I mean, we don't know which genes these are going to affect necessarily. Maybe they'll affect all genes. And what is what is the, as you point out in your article, are these vaccines then going to be used as a cover to, to modify all of our genes, all of our DNA? Exactly, exactly. Because you just stretch this out and somebody comes along and says, well, I have an even better idea. Why don't we use this technology to alter the genetic makeup of humans in a, quote, positive direction? And hmm. we'll call that a vaccine. Or we'll call it whatever we want to call it. To re-engineer humans. Re-engineer exactly. humans. And the other thing you pointed out that's a key factor is, and this is mainstream science, the old idea that one gene was responsible for one disease has pretty well been thrown out in favor of the idea that you're talking about combination effects of genes acting together. So what happens when you install these synthesized genes in a person's DNA? What happens to the relationship with other genes that are already there? What combinatory effects have you now created unintentionally that you can't take back? Precisely. Very, very disturbing, to say the least. John Rappaport stays with us. NoMoreFakeNews.com. Order his Matrix series. Back with more in a moment. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back, and John Rappaport, investigative reporter and the creator, founder of NoMoreFakeNews.com, stays with us until the top of the hour. And then in the second hour, the, the uh, crop circle gal, uh, Patty Greer, will be with us. Uh, what's the latest on this uh, horrific attack against Kentucky Senator Rand Paul? This was his neighbor, um, tackled him from behind and just beat him uh, Pretty serious injuries, like six, was it six broken ribs? Uh, yes, and fluid in his lungs. I think there was even a report that there were lesions. Not sure about that, but it was very, very serious and came out of nowhere. As far as we know from press reports, the senator was out mowing his lawn and his neighbor, for whatever reason, came up, you know, running behind him. Uh, the senator never noticed it, and suddenly he was slammed from behind and suffered these injuries. 
so this was another case where I thought, okay, let's look now at what the charge is here to the assailant, who, by the way, is uh, a doctor. Um, so the charge is fourth-degree assault in that, Kentucky. That's a misdemeanor. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a misdemeanor. So it's defined as intentionally causing a physical injury to another, wantonly causing physical injury, or recklessly causing injury to another with a dangerous instrument. Now, it's the least serious of assault charges in the state of Kentucky, and looking at the ceiling on the fine that can be assessed, not more than $500. Jail time cannot exceed one year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, I know I mean, the, the justice is it's supposed to be uh, you know, equal for everybody, but this is a standing U.S. senator. Yes, and, and in my piece, I didn't even mention that. I mean, I didn't want to get into, okay, the unequal of application of justice. So it could be anybody. It could be you. Right. You know, if you want to, in fact, I recommended in the article, if you think that a year max in jail, which is usually bargained down, and no more than $500, is a suitable punishment for this result in terms of destruction, in a sneak attack, criminal trespass onto one's own property and this kind of attack from behind, then just get a friend of yours and say, look, I want you at some point in the next week when I least expect it to come charging up from behind me, get somebody who's pretty big and just slam into me with all the force you possibly can. And when you wake up in the hospital with six broken ribs, and fluid in your lungs, then just think about whether you think $500 and less than a year in jail is consonant with that particular crime. Right, right. So what is going on here? Is We don't know. Um, apparently it was a landscaping dispute. I don't know what that means exactly. Is it, uh, is it possible this was politically motivated? What are you it's hearing? It's possible, sure. Uh, neighbors that have been interviewed are saying... They don't see this as a landscaping dispute at all. They're not aware of any dispute. No charges uh, or complaints in the homeowners association files have either been entered against Rand Paul or from Rand Paul. So they have no uh, confidence that this is some sort of landscaping dispute. That means it could be politically motivated that uh, this particular uh, assailant believes that uh, senators' politics are horrendous. Uh, I don't know. Whatever the reason is, uh, what we're seeing here, and this is not just in America, of course, is the lowering of criminal punishments for extremely serious crimes mainly because there are so many people committing crimes that the adjudication is, well, we just have to keep the sentences lighter and lighter and lighter, otherwise we're going to have people in jail longer and longer and longer. That does not solve the problem. That just exacerbates the problem. And it also 
degrades, demeans the individual because I guess we are, be, we are becoming so inundated with mass shootings and mass killings uh, so that now we, we consider an attack on an individual, one person or his property as insignificant, menial, exactly. not menial, exactly. um, just, it's not serious. And that's, but that's really where justice has to begin. Yes. It doesn't begin with mass crimes. It begins with what is the individual? What rights does the individual have? What is private property? What rights accrue to private property? And these issues have been muddied over so horrendously by the education system and by propaganda that people feel, well, it's not really important. Who cares? You know, it doesn't matter what the individual thinks or what happens to him. Private property, what is that all about? It's probably not something we even really want. And these are people that, you know, their minds are basically like oatmeal mush. They can't think. They've been miseducated. They have no idea about the founding ideas of the American Republic or why those ideas are important. And so this is where all the trouble begins. It's almost like the, the individual doesn't matter. Crimes against the state are paramount, but crimes against the individual and his property don't mean anything, uh, which reminds me of a recent uh, poll. I don't know if it was Pew Research. You probably saw this. Was it four in ten millennials in the United States now say they would rather live in a socialist country. Did you see that? Was it yes, four in ten? socialist or communist. Yes. Four in ten. I suggest that they try China. Or Venezuela. How's that working out? Or Venezuela. That would be a good one. And, you know, just live there. Not just for a couple of weeks or months, but, you know, five years. Give it a good shot. And see what happens. And act as you are acting now in America, in those places, say what you would say, do what you would do, and see what happens to you. Mm. Five and years, come, most of which will back be back if you can, and let us know how you how you feel. Exactly, five years. That's a good time. Most of that will be spent in line for toilet paper and bread. Certainly if in not Venezuela. Prison, yes. Speaking, uh, you know, out of school. Uh, just a few moments yet, but I, I wanted to talk. I wanted to get your take on the um, the opioid epidemic. Uh, what you believe is behind it, as you point out in your article again earlier this month. My word, you're prolific. You're just churning these out uh, almost daily. But um, I mean, the, the statistics we know they're stark. 106,000 Americans a year are being killed by. Uh, uh, drugs. This is not. These are not illicit drugs. These are pharmaceuticals. These are over-the-counter drugs. About a million people per decade. What's going on with this opioid epidemic, John? Well, there are a couple different pipelines, but uh, the pharmaceutical manufacturers of the opioid pills, like fentanyl, like OxyContin, Percocet, Percodan, etc. Of Vicodin, the ones who are actually traffickers, talking about real drug traffickers, know that they're shipping gigantic amounts of these pills to pharmacies and small clinics where there's no possible way that uh, we're talking about legal distribution. They know that from those little tiny pharmacies, 
all kinds of dealers basically are buying these pills. And the DEA is almost straitjacketed against stopping these uh, shipments now because of a new law that was passed last year. So it really goes all the way to the top of the pharmaceutical cartel. And then there are underground labs in China that are manufacturing spinoffs, designer spinoffs, that are incredibly dangerous. Uh, so my, in only a, a minute or two, I can only say to people, watch out, because there are, there's an elephant tranquilizer called carfentanil. There are Chinese lab spinoffs that can cause instant death in very tiny doses. Not addiction, just you drop dead. And so-called first responders, in other words, when they interdict a shipment, first responders from law enforcement are being highly warned. If they inhale the fumes of these powders or if they get any powder, even a tiny amount, into a cut, they could die instantly. So this is how serious it's getting. It's chemical warfare, basically. For depopulation, it sounds like. I mean, this is, this is a cull, a major human cull. Exactly. It's, it's, I mean, I had a reader in Ohio, for example, after I wrote my first article uh, on opioid epidemic, write me and said, I can see this everywhere when I walk around in my city. People look like zombies. This you, is not just something that, uh, you know, is happening elsewhere. It's visible. You mentioned Purdue Pharma. Uh, and they've made billions and tens of billions of dollars in profits from OxyContin. Uh, and they were, what, they were basically given a slap on the wrist for lying. Uh, they were lying to doctors about the dangers of, of these opioids. And what was the yeah, punishment? Yeah, they were promoting the use beyond any rational uh, boundary. Oh, you people can take it long term. It's not a problem. And, you know, by the way, it's good for a number of different pain conditions, not just, uh, you know, what the FDA has approved it for. So they basically were drug promote, trafficking promoters. And of the $35 billion in revenue that they took in from OxyContin, again, here we're talking about the court system. What was the outcome? $600 million fine. And three executives were sentenced to a number of hours of community service. There you go. That's it. Meanwhile, the, uh, the bodies are piling up like cordwood. Indeed, they are. And no end in sight. It's happening uh, in Canada, in Australia, in England. It's happening all over the world, as far as I know. I mean, I have reports from those countries, and I know it's happening elsewhere. It's just uh, an exploding uh, amount of destruction from these drugs. Well, John, uh, on that bleak note, uh, we look forward to your uh, continuing blogs. Again, let me direct people to nomorefakenews.com. Nomorefakenews.com. Uh, it really should be bookmarked on, uh, on every, uh, everyone's computer. And uh, again, please check out the Matrix series. You can uh, order those right from the website, nomorefakenews.com. Uh, John, be well, and I look forward to our next conversation. 
Me too, Richard. Always great to be with you. Thanks. Likewise. John Rappaport. Patty Greer up next. Crop circles. Where do we go from here? She'll tell us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed paneled rec room, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A big howdy to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, here in Toronto, AM 740, 96.7 FM. Hi to all of you catching us on one of our affiliates across North America, including our brand-new affiliate, WRTLAM 1620 in Carbondale, Illinois, the home of Southern Illinois University. They call Carbondale the city of trees and PhDs. Uh, Those of you who uh, take the show with you wherever you go on your mobile device through the Conspiracy Show app and the Zoomer radio app, both free downloads. Uh, Those of you watching the radio on the Conspiracy Show YouTube channel, all of our loyal fans who join us without fail every week, in the YouTube live chat. However, and wherever you're listening or watching, oh, I forgot the podcast. Don't forget the podcast at talkzone.com. However, and wherever you're listening, I offer you the warmest of all welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. A crop circle researcher, filmmaker, Patty Greer, standing by to discuss taking her crop circle research to the next level. Uh, in case you missed it uh, the last hour, I mentioned the podcast. I'm very excited to announce that I'll be offering up more conspiracy paranormal content each week. In addition to this terrestrial radio transmission, uh, I will continue to do the weekly radio program. Uh, But in early December, I will be launching a new podcast uh, that will be available only as a podcast. It'll be three one-hour programs available for download every week. And more details on that will be coming shortly. Uh, In addition to that... My other podcast project, the one that originally was conceived uh, with my uh, late partner, R. Gary Patterson, uh, it's called The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, and it'll be launching very soon as well, and I'll be making a formal announcement on that project as well. So again, very excited about both of these new podcasts. They'll be offered exclusively as podcasts. Stay tuned. All right, well, she vowed that she had made her her last crop circle film. Uh, and that it is time uh, to take what she has learned, take it to the new, the next level. I am talking, of course, about prominent UFO filmmaker Patty Greer, who has produced eight full-feature UFO films in a decade. Uh, they received eight prestigious awards, including five EBEs at the International UFO Congress Convention. Her films offer unrelenting evidence and explosive footage of crop circles being produced by spinning plasma balls of light. Greer's conclusion after producing eight UFO films and working closely with Penny Kelly, she was the the real lab partner of the great scientist William Lefty Levengood for the final 16 years of his life. He was a pioneer, a giant in this field. 
Her conclusion is that crop circles are produced by counter-rotating spinning plasma vortices coming out of the earth, not from the sky, emanating out of the earth. Her eighth film, Crop Circle Diaries, presents footage where balls of light create a crop circle in seconds in both England and France. Her movies were filmed at the epicenter of the crop circle phenomena in Wiltshire, England, and feature only the real croppies who frequent these stunning formations year after year. She's uh, intuitive and telepathic, which is how she co-produced the films with other dimensional beings without training or researcher or a team. She spent nine weeks of the summer in 27 and 28 laying in UK crop circles and consistently filming them. She visited more than 100 crop circles and fearlessly filmed from micro light planes with no door on her side and barely a seat belt. She entered her first UK crop circles in 2006 and knew instantly she had stepped into a very different reality and she was hooked, mesmerized by the sensations and returned to the UK in 20, 2007, 2008, 2010, 2011 and 2014 with cameras. Patty Greer, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for that nice intro. It's kind of interesting to hear who I am. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, I, mean, I know you're, you, you, you vowed you're not going to make any more crop circle films, but do you miss getting out there into the, into the, into the field with your camera? Do you miss any of that? Uh, no, I got to tell you, I worked so hard so long, and um, I didn't have any training, like I said, which was all of it very true. But had I known how difficult the field was, uh, the field of ufology today, anything honest has a really hard time getting out because we are so close to full disclosure that I think we are kind of at a war with the media for um, real media and fake news, which is such a big conversation. But I've seen it personally with the work I've done, and I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah, they, um, they've been hacking you for a long time, haven't oh, they? I think last year somebody dropped half a million dollars. I mean, what does it cost to blow up a lab editing somebody's film? I don't know, but I'm guessing expensive with a couple of EMPs. Yeah, it's been um, an education for me to realize how important the work is that I've done. And when I went in, I had no idea. You know, I went there to heal. I laid in a crop circle thinking, I'll just heal from mercury poisoning here. But it was a whole different thing. That first formation I walked in uh, changed my life completely because my whole body system shifted, recalibrated. I had hair standing up all over my body, and I'm a girl, so they were teeny, teeny little hairs. But you know what it feels like when you plug your finger in a socket? Mm -hmm. It hit me. Did that happen every time? You know, it hit me in most formations. Um, it was almost a different, you know, pitch of frequency, um, but it, there was always a buzz. Uh, there was only out of all the crop circles I've ever been in, one where I felt nauseous, but I could feel the tingle and buzz in almost all of them, except the few that were human-made. And those you could tell because the, the wheat where it was bent was broken right. three feet across, like where they'd put the board down, and then three feet in front of that, they'd put the board down, so you could see a line of broken crop every few feet. But most of the formations that I went in in Wiltshire, England, the epicenter, were not that way. They were um, clearly biophysically changed by some 
form of high-frequency energy. And it turns out, like you said earlier, it was spinning plasma vortices with different layers of distinct boundary conditions of different frequencies. So some of the formations had a lot of Earth energies. They had electromagnetic fields and ion-electron avalanche frequencies, and the feeling was very earthy, grounded. Not coincidentally, all crop circles, almost all that have been documented, have come through an aquifer of water. And the epicenter sits over the largest salt aquifer in the world. So Wiltshire is a prime target, not only the uh, water, but also hundreds of, of miles of farm fields because it was destined to be one of the feeding fields for the, for the wars. Right, right. And uh, I think I read somewhere, maybe on your website, probably, uh, cropcirclefilms.com, is it something like, I don't know what the percentage is, that, that occur within that, uh, like a 40-mile radius of Wiltshire, it, uh, the, of all of the world's crop circles. I mean, that's, that's crop circle central, isn't it? It is. It's clearly the epicenter, and it also, it's centered around the Avebury Stone Circle, but it includes Stonehenge. Now, everybody knows Stonehenge, mm. but not a lot of people have heard of Avebury, which is not only even older, but even a bit larger than Stonehenge. And people don't know about it, but it is actually where the Druid have hiked, hiked pilgrimaged across Europe for thousands of years to Stonehenge and Avebury and Silvery Hill and Glastonbury for the Tor and for the Chalice Well. So we've got this area laced with sacred sites, and that is number one on the key of where most crop circles happen. As we document them, they're not only 96 or 7 percent of them sitting over water, but also that same high percentage are sitting directly on a ley line, which on a map is a direct line between two sacred sites. So you've got this area of southern England that's just, like I said, laced with sacred sites. There's churches, there's mounds, there's dolmens where the um, bones are buried, and they, go, they used to go there for sacred ritual, and they'd pull out the ancestor's elbow, say, for instance, bone, and uh, if they were doing a healing on someone with a broken elbow. So they had these buried sacred ceremony places and also the ones above ground, the stone circles. And so this area has attracted Druid from all across Europe for thousands of years. Therefore, it's really got a high frequency of earth energy blended with humans honoring the earth, the Druid. In, oh, Fran in France, lovely. you also have those amazing standing stones. Um, and I'm not sure if they're sort of related to Stonehenge, but uh, I'm also thinking of, you know, those grottos like like Lourdes, uh, with the, the healing waters of Lourdes. Is there a connection there with, with the, these plasma vortices? You know, I haven't studied that, but you have to wonder why Michael and Mary, or, you know, the, the history of Mary includes those sacred sites. And when we look at Avebury Stone Circle and the ley lines, uh, Avebury is sitting on the strongest crossing of two ley lines on the planet, where it crosses twice, is where the Michael and Mary lines intersect. One of them is at the edge of the Avebury Stone Circle, and the other is across the world. I'm not sure what the other point is. 
But this, again, is a major drawing line that most likely does connect it to sacred sites in other countries. What is um, a, a plasma vortice uh, exactly, a vortice? What, what is a plasma vortice? A plasma vortex. vortex um, now, Penny and Lefty explain it. I'm not a physicist or a scientist. I made a film and sat there with Penny holding my head in my hands five mornings in a row at her farm saying, tell me again, tell me again, because it was hard to change my thinking after being in so many crop circles thinking they were coming from skies or, you know, they're not. So she and Lefty, through decades of research, she was with him for the last 16 years of his life. Lefty is William Levengood, the great scientist. But he was uh, looking at plants and soil since the 1950s. Let me just let me jump in, Patty. Forgive the intrusion. We, we've got to break away for a, a quick timeout. We'll come back and we'll talk about Lefty Levengood. I think he holds the world record for most scientific papers published? Correct. Unbelievable. All right. Mm -hmm. We'll uh, discuss further with Patty Greer, CropCircleFilms.com. Check it out. Stay with us. Loose lips sink ships, and sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Patty Greer is the filmmaker who exposed the footage of two balls of light communicating in a binary code and then laying a crop circle down in seconds. Uh, This is an historic discovery for crop circle understanding, and it was found through a telepathic message with the circle uh, makers. Uh, Check out her website, cropcirclefilms.com. We were talking about William Levengood and, and his research, and I was asking you, uh, what a plasma vortex is, because that's crucial to understanding how these crop circles are formed. They're coming from within the Earth, not from UFOs up in the sky. Correct. So what we have is, as Penny explained it, everything is plasma. Plasma is the basis of all energy. And we have different fields of plasma that move, that communicate all the time, and we don't realize that there's, of course, so much going on when we say our thoughts create a reality, or we send out energy with our thoughts, or our fear, you know, we send this out. What it is, is moving plasma, moving energy, e-motion, energy in motion. It just causes movement all the time around us. And what we have coming out of the Earth, and it's so interesting because people are thinking, oh, is it some alien species in the Earth? No. No, this is the Earth herself, the living mother, the living Earth. And like we are living uh, humans and we grow hair on our head, she grows trees and plants, and she keeps breathing and moving, and the Earth never stops moving, and she's got 
other planets, sisters, you know, that we have all around us. But here we are on this planet, and the planet has electromagnetic fields that move through the planet and on the planet. And Left 11 Good actually said, which really surprised me, that the crop circles in America are higher energy, higher frequency than the ones in England because we have the Great Plains here, so they can pick up movement with the winds going across, across the Great Plains, which I found very interesting. And so what we have coming out of the Earth is this intentional communication of energy that connects all of us. And so it's always coming through water. So we have these two spinning fields, and it's like a tornado of energy. So we've got these two tornadoes of spinning energy that as they come through the water, they spin it up, and then they're bringing in water frequency also. And they come through the earth, and they spin, and they bring in whatever other predetermined frequencies were perhaps there's humans that were sitting over, I know this has happened, over in an, a sacred site, and they were praying for some crop circle and looking at a photo. I have three of these in my movies. And the next day, bang, a crop circle appears. How did that happen? Well, God forbid, they're sitting on the earth in a sacred site. The earth is picking up the human frequencies. She's hearing their messages, their plea, their energy field, and she's feeling all eight of them, and their technical team saying, will our, will our free energy device work? And bang, the next day there's a schematic. I was in the formation. It was the strangest thing to realize afterward when I met the people in the formation, and I said, darn, this one's human-made. They said, dang, if it is, and they held up photos of the formation we were in from the air and their free energy device, and Richard, it was the same. It was shocking to me. So what we have there is human frequencies spinning now into these spinning plasma vortices. And then if perhaps many of the crop circles show planetary layouts or other kind of solar activities, those can, I'm just saying perhaps, I can't say for sure, but could have been a question from other dimensionals, ETs. And where they said down to the earth, hey, can you, you know, help us find this place or asking for some information and there's your crop circle. So we have the opportunity for earth, for the water always, and occasionally humans when they're asking for a crop circle and it appears, but not always, or occasionally ETs or other dimensionals if they're asking a question to the earth and us, but not always, but it is always water and earth. So that's a really interesting thing. How do we know it's Earth? How do we know it's plasma? How do we know it's vortices? Well, Lefty described the fact that when they measured the energy that was in the plants, and they could tell by the, the degree that it was thrown from the center point, five feet out, ten feet out, they measured a variety of magnetics that were left in the plant, by taking a magnet and going up and down, they tested plants in all kinds of different formations of wheat, corn, barley, canola, and they found consistencies, which was that they were, um, they were 
having these explosions every five, six inches of the elbow, which is the support for the plant, which is called a node. So rather than it just being a nice support and then it goes up another six inches, there's another node, these nodes where it was bent at a 90-degree angle, most of them, were actually blown out, and it created a bubble. And some of the bubbles even had a burn mark where steam had escaped. And some of them had actually stretched before they bent over, and they're called elongated. And the bubbles are called blown nodes. And the biophysical changes were just immense in the flower tops. They were curled and fizzled like they had been hit with some kind of intense heat, which it turns out that's what happened in these spinning plasma vortices. How long does this, whether we're talking about microwave energy or ion electron energies, uh, how long does this energy last once the crop circle is laid down? um, I don't know any of those energies because I don't know what ion electron avalanche energy feels like, but I do know electromagnetic, and I think that's what's left in the field, or electrostatic. I'm not sure the difference, but what I know is little hairs stand up on my body, and it makes me have goosebumps. So there's something that just tingles you head to toe. And when I walk in cross circles with people, right when I feel it, which is 5, 10 feet before we even hit the formation, you can feel an umbrella of this enhanced field of, I'm guessing, electromagnetics, um, where it just, it's like a, a zzz, and it hits you. But I look at the people behind me, and all of it I see is, once I catch their eyes, is they go watermelon eyes. All of us are like, oh, yeah, I feel it, too. I was talking to John Rappaport earlier, and we were talking about these, uh, these new vaccines that are coming out that will alter DNA. Uh, do you think that when you enter a, a crop circle that there is uh, sort of a, a permanent genetic change? Is that possible? Boy, that I don't know. Does I it change know. consciousness? Pardon me? Does it change consciousness permanently? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, I'm, I'm nothing like I used to be. And I don't have many of my old friends anymore. So I think it's a real shift, oh, change, oh, to allow yourself to have contact whatsoever. I mean, it's a real acceptance to even go public and say, yes, I've been in a crop circle, let alone a hundred of them. And um, if anybody has seen my what I called my final film, but who knows, I can't be trusted, um, Crop Circle Diaries, this is where I exposed the complete science of crop circle with these spinning plasma vortices that for some reason has never been fully discussed. And not only has it not been fully discussed, but William Levengood was so suppressed. Oh, my God. He, he suffered. That's why he brought in Penny. He said, please write my papers. I can't deal with the community. Although, like you said, he had written more papers for scientific journals than anyone else on Earth. Forty. That's a lot. Right. But it got accepted. when he started writing about crop circles, that's when he hit the wall, right? No, no, it was when his great discoveries about the crop circles hit, and they didn't want it to get out. And that's what my final movie shows. And that's probably why somebody dropped a heck of a lot of money last year to um, make it difficult for me to be in the field. So the punchline, let's just get to the juicy stuff, which is that. 
This, this is what William Levengood and Penny Kelly discovered after constantly, repeatedly testing the same varieties of different crop and coming up with the same conclusions, that when they treated the seeds correctly, after they pulled them out of the crop circles, those seeds became super seeds, and they were producing 30 to 400% more food and biofuel per plant with up to 75% more nutrition Proceed. Wow. That's a lot more food wow. with a lot higher nutrition in a world right now where we're tolerating all this, shall we say, gluten intolerance, my toe. It's poison intolerance. This is a GMO we could live with. Well, this is a no longer GMO. Let's bring the organic seeds back. But, 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 but our, did, did Eleven Good discover that these plants with these seeds in the within the crop circle i mean they had they they are somewhat genetically modified aren't they in no. a good way i'm not going to say genetically modified i'm going to say earthwise enhanced okay i think that it's really about the earth saving her plant systems i really feel like this is one of the greatest communications of all time and she's speaking to us where do the fields land they land here for us to look at and fly over. Where else do they land? They land on the earth so that all the ETs and other dimensionals can look down and say, wow, look at that beautiful communication. Here's an earth who speaks to us and her people. So what we have now is this open co-communication between the earth, the water, people, and other dimensionals. I mean, all of us are involved in crop circles. And it's so interesting to realize, number one, they got rid of William Levengood by, I don't even want to go into it, it's too long of a story. No, they tried to discredit him, right. They denied him his Ph.D. Ridiculous. Not only, by the way, did the seeds grow 30 to 400% more food and biofuel, but the seeds, uh, uh, they did well when it was too hot, too cold, too wet, or too dry. The conditions of extremities affected the seeds a lot less than they did outside the crop circle samples. So this could be the start of a whole new agricultural revolution. The question is then how do we reproduce the effect inside a crop circle so that we can produce seeds like this constantly at will? I am so glad you asked. (laughs) So Lefty and Penny Kelly, in the lab they reinvented a machine trying to figure out how to recreate discharge density plasma and the spinning vortices. And they couldn't, of course, create all those different human and earth and water frequencies, but they figured out how to manipulate energy to create the crop circles to reproduce those similar qualities. And I saw the machine, and they had it for years, and I know it worked. And they had all kinds of amazing machines in there, and I know they worked. So... Penny and I have been trying for years to bring it, and Lefty died uh, in 2013, and I have, I've never met him when he was alive, but I feel like I've certainly been working with him since he left. And um, the interesting thing is that I've hit my head against a wall with all the hacking, and the final film is it. This is the science of crop circles, crop circle diaries at cropcirclefilms.com. You can stream it for a week, and it's, it's the whole thing. And, again, 
they're, they're throwing it in this wackadoodle human circle makers or UFO mystical thing, whereas this is the Earth. This is an Earth scientifically proven phenomenon with acres of biophysical change. So Lefty from the other side has been communicating with me and I'm sure of it and of course I can't talk about that on the air like I am now because people will think you're crazy but in Crop Circle Diaries I'm working with Penny Kelly saying all of my experiences and she's saying absolutely this is real this is how it happens. So what's happened now is that I'm over it with trying to push the films, and it's not a matter of push, it's a matter of share, get the information out. So I meet this person who's got Lefty's Machine already made. i got to talk to you about Lefty's Machine when we uh, come we back. We have it. All right, let's talk about Lefty Leaven Goods' plasma-generating machine that can Im- improve the yield of crops, uh, increase the durability of these seeds so they can grow under extreme conditions. Think about the implications. We can feed the world. Who needs Monsanto? Stay with us. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Patty Greer is with us. Time to stop making crop circle movies, she says, and start doing something with what she's learned as technology. We're talking about Dr. Levin Good's plasma machine. A crop circle plasma machine replicating what happens inside a, uh, a crop circle to the seeds uh, and um, creating this technology. And think of the implications. We could feed the world if we could substantially increase the yield uh, of these seeds. And this is what happens inside a genuine crop circle. Uh, and apparently we have the machine or Patty uh, has seen the machine Where did you see this machine, Patty? Well, I saw the one that Lefty and Penny put together in the lab when I was there for his wake a year after he passed. And um, I I saw a number of machines that they had worked on. But this is not Lefty's machine. What's interesting is this is another man's machine. Uh, But it is, again, the same technology of spinning plasma vortices that are increasing the yield of plants. So they hit the plants with these charge-density plasma, and the plants are yielding consistently much more. So, um, yeah, I've, got one, I've, I've seen this machine also, and I, it's not a matter of out there someday. We have it now. But what is, um, you know, like all the other important technologies, once we get funding, this will be available to farmers and seed people, and we're going to be able to do great wonders. So we are seeking funding for the um, Crop Circle Machine is a funny name for it. We have a a real name for it, but it is that technology. So it's pretty exciting. But you know, Richard, with the year that I went through, you, you have to make a choice when you, like you, my God, how many people have you interviewed? The, your head must be swirling with so much data 
But then you have to shake it down to what resonates with your thinking, where you go, this is real, this is solid, I can work with it, right? Right, right. So Separate the wheat now, from the chaff. Films. Sorry? Separate the wheat from the chaff. Exactly. Uh, by the way, I want to mention the Crop Circle Diaries just won at the International UFO Congress Convention. Best UFO feature film this year, and then it won the People's Choice Award. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, what a year. It's like I get the two most wonderful awards, and then I get um, just unbelievable hacking. I mean, so many ads on Amazon that I went from page one after nine years to good luck finding me. And I'm like, what are they doing? And so here's my movies, and my $20 movies are listed by some hacker for $750.64 each. <laughs> Well, that that just shows you how close you're getting, right? Oh God, in seven countries, Richard. <laughs> you know, oi. So anyway, what does this uh, machine look like? Can you can you describe it? The machine it? is a you plug it into the wall, and it builds the field, and the seeds sit on a plate between a couple of metal plates, and um, luckily, luckily for the scientists, I can't explain it well enough because. I'm a filmmaker looking at this thing, but, you know, it's got a number on it for the um, whatever the density is that they're moving through the seeds and through the metal plates. I don't know. But it's a plug-in machine that looks quite normal. And the other scientist that showed me his machine yesterday, as a matter of fact, again, it's a very clean, well-produced machine box with all kinds of magical scientific workings inside well i'm i'm just the the face in the front i'm not the scientist at all but i can appreciate the fact that he has photos of he's worked on mushrooms and uh, when you pulse the mushrooms and then you look at the change a week later it's massive and when you pulse plants in the ground the change is massive but the mushrooms you can see a lot more because you see all of the bottom and top of it, whereas the plants in the ground, you can't see what's below the ground. So they germinate faster. Yes. They germinate under extreme conditions. Right. uh, And obviously the yield is significantly higher. Yes. If you do that to one seed, uh, does that mean that the next generation of seed will also do that, or would you have to run that through the plasma machine again, each generation of seeds? Um, You know, I don't know the answer to that because... um, I'm not sure if uh, Lefty did generations of testing. I just know that they could make, th- that they can pulse the seeds they can, and make them super seeds. And I know that this guy now can pulse the earth around the plants and make the plants supercharged. So we have the technology, and what we're working with is spinning plasma fields. And I think this is one of the more delicate subjects in my movie, Crop Circle Diaries, because when Penny's holding her hands up in front of herself and she says, on one hand, here's a glass of water, and on the other hand, if I can measure and manip- measure this glass of water over here, it's a glass and there's water inside it, if I can measure the plasma field, then I can reproduce it over here and manipulate it to become a glass of water in my other hand. She said, but the problem is if they start spinning the field, counter-rotating, we can destroy matter. Aha. Uh-huh. And I think that that's one of the very scariest things because 
I quit speaking at UFO events this year because I got hit with an energy weapon, and I got hurt. An EMP. Yeah. And it was at a UFO event. And interestingly enough, I've said it on a few other radio shows, and people have written me that also got hit at the same event this year. Interesting. I'm done. Interesting. So you want to talk about the conspiracy show? We are living it, baby. Same and technology they were using on the, uh, the embassy staff in Havana, perhaps. Well, what we need is the truth to come forward and the rest of it to go away. And the more they show me they're scared of this work getting out, I don't want to fight. I didn't come here to do any of that. I'm just here to share what I think is most important, which is humanity deserves free energy and organic food and clean water, and we know how to do it. All right, we'll take a time out, come back. Patty Greer talking about the plasma crop circle machine. What else can we do with this thing? Let's find out. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Patty Greer describing the uh, crop circle plasma machine, recreating the environment inside a crop circle uh, to increase the yield, dramatically increase the yield uh, of a, uh, a seed or a crop. What else can we do with this thing? It, you know, as you're describing this, uh, it sounds vaguely, and I'm not a scientist, certainly, but it sounds vaguely uh, like a, a multiple wave, a multi-wave oscillator. Are you familiar with George Lakofsky? and the, not. The, the multi-wave oscillator. I was up in Spokane um, early fall, late summer, and um, an inventor um, gentleman up there, they are recreating Lako- – George Lakofsky was this Russian scientist – and um, he believed that every cell of the human body has its own frequency, and they emit uh, a frequency radiation. And when one part of the body is damaged uh, or ill, the resonance of those cells become less intense. So um, normally we are sort of bathed in this you know, background radiation of, of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, of course, we're swimming in a smog of uh, all of the bad you know, background radiation. You mentioned right. uh, EMPs and so forth and, and uh, extremely low f- radi- frequencies and all of, you know, from cell towers and all of this nonsense. So I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, maybe, you know, check, check, a, check out the multi-wave oscillator, George Lakofsky, but it can be used to heal uh, our, our cells. I'm wondering, can the plasma machine also work on humans, not just on, 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 on plant seeds and crops. Yes, it can, and I saw it. But again, that's a really dangerous subject. But you, yeah, I'm going to let that one go, but yeah, he, he did. And I think that's why he was so hacked. And I think bringing his work forward and honoring him is why I've been so hacked. But it's also why I'm choosing to move forward and talking about healing every cell in the body if you saw me, Alfred Lambermont Weber did a show with me a while ago, and right when we started, he said, what the heck happened to you? Your wrinkles are gone, and your skin looks amazing. 
And um, I got on a product, and I'm not advertising, but there's, there's solutions out there now. And at a cellular level, have you heard anything about Carbon 60? Just what I saw on your website. I wasn't familiar with it. Oh, God. It's new. It's cutting edge. It's state-of-the-art. But it's a couple of scientists figured out how to get it uh, to people. And one of them, it was after I got hit with a weapon, I was in really bad shape. And this guy gifted me some Carbon 60 Purple Power. And it's this molecule um, that they've been using for, oh, my God, eons. But it's... It's, an, it's a molecule that consists of 60 carbon atoms shaped like a little tiny soccer ball. And it's this... Um, Sounds like a buckyball. It's exactly a buckyball. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, they've known forever that um, carbon-60 has the properties that can help humans, plants, animals, and it's 172 times more effective against antioxidant radicals than vitamin C. Hmm. This stuff is so strong... And it also helps against radiation. And that's how this scientist figured it out, because he was in a lab working with all this stuff. And so they were testing it on mice. And the mice that were given the C60 did just fine with all this radiation. They hit them with a huge amount. And the other ones totally died. So he realized that, shoot, he's in the lab working with all this radiation. He started taking it. And he started mixing it in with coconut oil. And bang, it was easy to take. And his he's... He's in his 50s, and he looks like he's 40. But I got on the C60 because I was dealing with something really harsh, and I can't believe the difference. And it's this teeny little monomolecular um, little molecule that just works, and it fits into all these areas in your body. Anyway, that's one thing I wanted to mention. It's good stuff. C60 Purple Power saved my body. But I wanted to talk about the electromagnetic field because I learned another really amazing lesson. Do you sleep anymore at, through the night? Do I? Yeah. Um, yeah, it depends. I mean, I, I, I have, uh, you know, I think it has something to do with the, um, the moon with me. If uh, a full moon, I do not sleep. I have a very restless, uh, fitful sleep. Um, other times... Um, you know, I'm I'm dead to the world. It depends. Uh, I also think, uh, you know, I I need to be shutting off the uh, the Wi-Fi in the house. Right, and you work so late. Does your wife sleep? I mean, I don't know anybody who sleeps anymore. Not the way we used to. You're right. Right, right. So, um, I'm in a relationship now, and we go up to this hot springs, and he, he uh, introduces me to his crazy scientist friend, and. Um, I didn't sleep the whole night. It was ridiculous. I was up all night. So in the morning, the crazy scientist friend programs a giant magnet and gives it to me um, to sleep on. Hmm. And this was a month, month and a half ago. Richard, I have slept well ever since. So I got the magnet. I took it home. You know. But this guy uh, in Colorado programs these magnets. It's four by six by an inch. So it, it takes like a muscle to carry it. And um, so the funny thing was he had a delivery of a dozen or two, and he saw the UPS guy out with these huge magnets in a box, and the guy was trying to pry it away from the metal wall of the truck. <laughs> he had to help him. So he gets these magnets, and he programs them for different issues that people have. And um, my sleep has completely changed, and I'm like, how does this happen? 
So these two scientists started talking about the fact that our electromagnetic field around the planet is, you know, should be pumping at 100% of what is expected, what has been normal through history. And in fact, right now it's down to about 40%, which is pretty low. He said when it goes down to 20%, that's when plagues infest the planet and things, we're not there. But we're not doing too well at 40%. So when you bring a magnet that size programmed to help you heal into your field and you sleep with it for 8 or 10 hours, it enhances your electromagnetic field like going in a crop circle. Ah, interesting. So here I am sleeping like a baby. Richard, it's been 10, 15 years. Even when I went and helped a girlfriend move a few weeks ago, um, I slept in her guest room and I slept like a log. I was like, oh my God, I'm sleeping. So here we are. So anyway, this guy is life, uh, they're called biosphere magnets, and I only have one, and it changed my sleep. He sleeps with a dozen, and um, my partner here, he wants to get a dozen for our bedroom, and it's like, oh my God, the neighborhood will feel it, you know what I'm saying? Right, you could sew those right into the mattress, I suppose. Well, I don't sell them, and I don't rip them, I just got one, and it changed my sleep patterning. But what's interesting about this and the Carbon 60 Purple Power is that these are new technologies. These are moving forward things that we can work with now. And it's not about you take a pill and you feel better for a few hours. This actually reset my sleep. Fascinating. The Carbon Fascinating. 60 actually reset my, um, the way my body was moving and my calmness in my thinking is it's for me, these are miracles. I am hmm. so grateful, and um, I think that we all need to be really moving into solutions. 100%. Because focusing on what is happening, what's on the news, what's true, what's not, that's here to make us crazy. Absolutely. It is a big distraction. Look over here. Right. Uh, I, I want to just touch briefly on free energy, mm-hmm. because you indicated that some of these uh, these crop circles are schematics for free energy devices, but mm-hmm. but... The, the plasma machine, uh, are there implications? Uh, because to me, I mean, plasma, these, uh, from what I understand, the plasma is very hot, uh, but, but, but externally it's very cold. Uh, so right away I'm thinking about, you know, the, the, the potential here for, for energy. Um, what, where are we going with, with, uh, with this plasma machine in terms of, of creating free energy? That I can't answer because I haven't heard uh, any of the scientists I work with talk about that. Okay. Yeah, all I know is what I hear because that is not my field. Mine is crop circles, and you can ask me just about anything, and it's very effortless to answer. I do want to conclude that the movies that I made um, uh, have, most of them are about crop circles, but most of them were filmed in the crop circles in Wiltshire, England, with the people that frequent them year after year. I didn't ever interview um, journalists that talk about other people's stories. I talked, I interviewed people who were telling their stories. And it's hard to keep a relationship when you're actually in the fields having contact, which was my life for all those years. And um, would I do it again was the first question you asked me. Yes. To be honest, no. <laughs> really glad I did it. Really glad I made those movies. 
And now I'm looking back at huge amounts of old footage of people that are no longer here. And when I look at the field of ufology today, there's an awful lot of farce mm. compared to when you and I began. When there were the great, it's almost like the Rat Pack, you know, like Robert O'Dean, Wendell Stevens, you know, the old guys that were the four-star generals, the military top guys that were really working with integrity for the world, interacting with the ETs and other dimensionals. Now I feel like we're looking at a lot of actors and mind control people. Yes, it's become kitsch. It's become uh, 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 an industry, um, and it's been real. It's become really kitschy, hasn't it? Entertainment. Yeah. Well, that's not what ufology is supposed to be, but I think it goes further. Almost like Hollywood is this disease thing with pedophilia now. What we have in ufology is this disease thing of misinforming people and a lot of dishonesty and a lot of scripting of stuff that just isn't true so that it can be as unclear and murky as the news is today. Is Hillary clean or dirty? Is right. Obama clean or dirty? Do we love or hate Trump? How can you decide? They say A and F at the same time. It's like, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's got, it couldn't be more confusing. Well, that's how the deep state works, right? They find out where where are people populating, where are they, what are they interested in. Let's move in and let's let's take that area over and control both sides of the argument, and we'll keep those people preoccupied for a, for a long time until they get bored of that. Then they'll move on to something else, and we'll follow them. But what can we do as humans? Each one of us can stop the programming and say no. And turn off the TV and That's say right. no. Just like Peter Finch said in Network. That's it. Turn it off. Turn it off. Eat organic food. Be very careful where you buy your water. If you can afford to get on these new technologies and get away from all your drugs and whatever else, or stop being depressed or not sleeping and actually find these earth remedies. What's a magnet? It's an earth electromagnetic field. Okay, got to run, Patty. Listen, I'm going to send you a link also to uh, the multi-wave oscillator. Uh, check it out because I think there may be some parallels with what you're doing as well. Thank Wonderful. you for this. Appreciate it as always. Happy trails. Happy trails to you. CropCircleFilms.com. My thanks to Ian and Albert and Ryan and Zachary in the other room there. Back next week with a brand new show. Hope you'll be along for the ride. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.